0: In a moment, um, our own Mark Klein is going to come up and uh, do a presentation of Lucas and Lois. That's a special thing for us. I'll let him tell you about it. And then we are going to have a uh, Happy Mother's Day video. So, Happy Mother's Day to all you moms. Everybody go ahead and give them a hand. A big hand. <laughs> and, uh, and then we are going to have our message from Austin Temperley. We're excited about that. And then we're going to have something special at the end. Good morning, and uh, this is a good morning. It's an exciting morning for us as a church. We're about to do something here we haven't done in probably 30 years. And uh, it's just so exciting for me personally. Um, I want to say something like 10 years ago, the elders at that time um, helped organize a team, a missions team, for the first time for this church. And one of our original goals was to hopefully raise up and send out a missionary to the foreign field. Something we haven't done in 30 years uh, since we sent Carl Warner to Taiwan. And uh, this morning, um, it's, it's a privilege for me because I've been a part of that missions team. Uh, I've been part of the desire and the prayer of this church to send out a missionary. Uh, last December, if you remember, if you were here, that last week we had Lucas Richard here with us uh, who, was, who was engaged to my sister, Lois Klein.
1: And uh, he shared about his
0: ongoing ministry with Ireland Outreach International, which is in Ireland and also in Nigeria and in Ghana. He's been probably three or four months a year in Nigeria, I think. And, uh, and so their wedding is coming up this next Saturday here, which is exciting. Um, and then immediately after, they're going out to the missions field. And so what we want to do here this morning, as a church, um, we're going to commend them to the Lord's care. In the book of Acts, in chapter 13, uh, this is how the church sent out the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. And in Acts 13, the, the, Paul and Barnabas, they became aware of God's calling to evangelize and plant churches in the region of Galatia. And while the, while the church and the leaders were fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit made it clear to them that, that God had called them to do this work. And so the church laid their hands on them um, to, as a mark of identification with them to pray and pray for them, and so they commended them, it says, uh, and handed them over to to God for his care, to the grace of God for the work. And uh, they spent the next two years evangelizing, and they planted four churches, and they did the work they were sent to do, and they came back and reported everything uh, to the church that had commended them to the grace of God. And that's what we're here to do this morning, is to commend Lucas, Richard, and Lois Klein, soon to be Lois Richard this next weekend, To the grace of God, they're going to be going out to serve the Lord as career missionaries in Ireland. And Lucas has already been there a few years, um, and Lois is joining him as his uh, sidekick, his wife. And so uh, I just want to invite Lucas up here uh, for just a few minutes so you can see his face and hear his voice again. But uh, he's really going to get a chance to share more with you tonight if you're able to make it here. We're going to have a special missions report from Lucas. He, he just flew in from Nigeria, so he's fresh off the field. Uh, got in yesterday, and so he has a lot of things on his mind and heart to share. And he'll do that here this evening at 6:30. If you're able to come out, that would be great. So I want Lucas just to say a few words, and then we're going to have the elders come up and and lay hands on them and pray pray over them as we send them out.
2: Good morning! morning. It's a pleasure to be back with you here this morning it's it's uh, been a whirlwind few months uh, since i was here last time and uh, the lord has done a lot in this this short period of time and uh, this evening i look forward to to telling you a bit about it i know a lot of you have been praying for me um uh, most of you might have talked to this morning have mentioned something about the malaria attack that i had in nigeria Uh, but uh, the lord has been faithful through it all and uh, in fact i've I've really seen his hand in this trip as uh, As we serve the Lord in Nigeria, but I'd like you to pray for us. As Mark mentioned, uh, we're going to be getting married on Saturday, and uh, we're going to be going on a (laughs) honeymoon today. And uh, we've got a busy year ahead. Uh, We're going to go back to
3: Ireland, and immediately we have our summer
2: team evangelism. Uh, We have a team of about sixty people coming uh, to Ireland to help us in evangelism and practical work. uh, Afterwards, we're going to a conference in France, and then Ghana in September, and then back to Nigeria next March for a few months. So uh, we've got a busy time ahead of us. And uh, Lois is going to be new to all this, and uh, she'll be joining me as my helpmate. So I really appreciate your prayers. Thank Thank you very much.
1: And so I just want to invite
0: the elders to come up, and we're going to pray over them and as they're, as they're commending church, uh, we're sending them out. Uh, they're our missionaries. Um, we're, we're pledging to support them financially as we're able. we can support them through prayer. Uh, maybe we'll get a chance to go visit them in Ireland. I, I think I'll sign up for that one. Um, and, and, and you know, they're, they're our missionaries. You know? We're sending them out. We're going to support them, uh, help them be accountable for the work they're doing. And and we just want to commit them to the hand of God now, and I'll just ask uh, a couple of elders to pray over them. Father, we just thank you for this wonderful opportunity to command uh, this. Your know, work. Father, we just thank you that you know this doesn't happen today. This has been going on in lives for years. You knew this from the beginning of time that these two get together and they want to serve you. You know, you know us for many years. On the mission field, and serve you with best you will. Uh, bless
1: these two in their marriage. Bless them in their ministry. Just keep them from all harm and danger. Uh, our thoughts and prayers go with them. Father, what a joyful time for Lucas and Lois right now. We are just so thankful to see them beginning this new chapter in their life, and we ask for you to just may your mighty hand. Go before them, prepare the way for them. May you just prosper all their endeavors, and, and may they have fruitful ministry together for many years. And we just commit them to you, and thank you, it's Jesus. Amen.
3: baby's asleep. How hard
2: can this get? Poor man. Besides, I bumped into Chuck Norris at a pizza
0: hut once. I think his powers rubbed off on me. Get out of here. Go on, enjoy your mommy getaway weekend. Oh, uh, this weekend was a bad idea. Remember what happened last time we watched the kids? I'm not a big <laughs>
2: Yeah, we're going to need help. Warning, use of this product may alter your perception of reality.
0: All right, everything looks the same.
1: With the diaper. Mom oh, goggles.
2: This? How do they handle it all? Well, maybe they have goggles who no, don't know. No. It's as if God gave moms a special way of looking at things, you know? Okay. Who taught you
1: servanthood? Who modeled grace? Who gave you a taste of what God's love can look like? My mom, Mr. T, and my mom. <laughs> Anyway, I, I just think God
2: gave moms <laughs> a special way of looking at things.
0: Hey, honey.
1: Hey, how's it going at home?
0: It's all good. Because you could say um, I'm trying to catch a glimpse of what your world looks like. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah.
3: La, la.
2: Hold on, your daughter wants to say something to you. I <laughs>
3: think
0: She says she misses you, and she realizes how important you are in life, and she doesn't know how you do it, and she knows that she can't make it without you. She said all that. I don't know if she said it,
2: but it's what I want to say.
0: I thank God for you. The twins. Um, it it was nothing. We, We have to go, okay? Um, love you, Mommy.
1: moms that are here. Welcome to everyone that's here this morning, but we are especially grateful for our moms. And I agree with what he said. You know, when you think of who taught you about servanthood, who taught you about humility, who taught you about grace, who taught you about what it meant to learn and to grow and to be who you are today, it is our moms. And I did want to read a poem that I wrote the other day for my mom, for Mother's Day. So this is a personal little Uh, note to my mom who is actually here today um, and she'll she'll understand it's short it's short I wrote you've always been the real thing you raised me to know the king when I wandered away and fell off track you prayed that he would bring me back you raised your children well God's love we all do tell on this special day I want you to know I truly love you in every way Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Thank you. Well, I really have no good transition into our passage today, so all I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask you to turn with me to Mark chapter one, and we're gonna read through the first 15 verses in Mark chapter one. And I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about where Nick took us last week, talking about the fact that we are cracks, We have glue that's holding us together for the time being, but, and that's the key, but we are hopeful. So let's pray before we begin our look in Mark chapter 1. Father, we do thank you for the moms and our moms uh, in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the impact that they have. We thank you that even as we grow and mature and even as we As men become big, burly men, we still think of our moms. We still love our moms. We still go back and remember our moms. I thank you for all the daughters in this room who still have that special bond with their moms. I just thank you for just how a mother is so nurturing and protecting, just like a mother hen gathers her brood under her wing, and that's what moms do. They give us that nurturance. They give us that wisdom that only a mother could give. So, Father, we just thank you and praise you for this day. And, Father, as we look at the book of Mark, as we continue on our, our series through the book of Mark, Lord, I just pray that you would give us wisdom and insights into what we look at today. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. If you're able, why don't you go ahead and stand with me as we read the first 15 verses of Mark chapter 1. So, if you are able, stand with me as we read through Mark 1, 1-15. Mark writes, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist. And his diet was locusts and wild honey. And he was preaching and saying, After me one is coming who is mightier than I, and I am not fit to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased. Immediately the Spirit impelled him to go out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, and believe in the gospel. You may be seated. I kind of like the way Mark writes. Mark seems to be very factual at times. He's the shortest book of the four (laughs) of the four Gospels, and he really gets to the point. Whereas Matthew was writing more to a Jewish audience, Mark was writing to a uh, Roman audience, and so he didn't take a lot of time to go over a lot of the uh, Jewish voices that you would find in the writings of Matthew. He didn't talk a lot about Pharisees, Sadducees. He really got to the point. He didn't talk about genealogies. He really just got to the point uh, in, in in his Gospel. And If you look with me in the first, couple of verses here. It's interesting where he starts, right? Mark starts his gospel. He says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He doesn't start with genealogies. He doesn't go back through. He just says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And where does he take us? Well, right away he says, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, behold, I send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. What I want to do this morning is to focus on, if there's one thing that I want you to take away from this message, I'm gonna give you the secret right now so that you can tune me out if you need to, but I want you to cling to this truth this morning, is that we all have a responsibility to proclaim the gospel. My main point this morning is that we all have a responsibility to proclaim the gospel. And look at as it's written here, he goes back into the Old Testament. And it's interesting that he goes back to the Old Testament. And really, you know, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, doesn't start 2,000 years ago with Jesus Christ. It started long before that. It was prophesied of the coming Messiah. It was spoken of by many of those prophets. And if we look at some of those, it's interesting to see how God used People who were cracked, who were glued, but who were anticipating the hope that came from the Messiah. Just a a couple of references. If you think back in the book of Isaiah, we see right here the prophecy that one was going to come, a messenger was going to come, and was going to prepare the way for the Lord and make the path straight. But in that same book of Isaiah, we also read that the Messiah would be coming and he would be 100% God, and he would be 100% man. We also see in Isaiah that he would be born of a virgin. We also see that he would be pierced for our transgressions. We also see that he would be killed alongside of sinners who were deserving of death.
0: We also see in Isaiah that no bone in
1: his body would be broken in his death. We read in 2 Samuel that he would be an heir of David's throne, that the Messiah would be an heir of David's throne, and he was. We see in Micah, the prophet Micah wrote that he would be born in Bethlehem, and that's exactly where the Messiah Jesus Christ was born. We see in Zechariah that he would ride in his triumphal entry, not on a big chariot, not in a big grandiose way, but that he would come in on a donkey, riding in to the Holy City on a donkey. And that's exactly what we found. We also see in Zechariah a couple of chapters later that the Son of Man would be betrayed. And we see that a field would be purchased with the ransom money that was given for that. And so we see throughout the Old Testament, we see glimpses of the gospel about to come. We see (laughs) glimpses of people who were cracked, who were glued, who were in God's story to prepare the way to make the path straight for the coming Messiah. Furthermore, in the Psalms, David even shared with us how the Messiah would die by crucifixion, which by the way, crucifixion hadn't even been invented at that time. In fact, crucifixion wouldn't come into play for another six, seven hundred years. And yet, we see the story about people preparing the way, hearing revelations from God, being obedient to listen to the voice of God, doing what God had asked them to do. Well, the same is true. The same is true with John the Baptist. And we know that in this context right here in verses 2 and 3 of our text, we know that this messenger that was coming was John the Baptist. In verse 4 we read, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea was going out to him, and all the people of Jerusalem And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. And we see how he was clothed. We see the things that he ate, locusts and honey and and, uh, the things that he ate. And he was proclaiming that one was coming after him who was much mightier than he was, who was going to then give them. If you look at verse 8, he says, I baptize you with water, but one is coming that will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And that's an interesting line in and of itself. I baptized you with water, but one's going to come that's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so what what John was preaching, what John was proclaiming, was something that he didn't even fully understand. John knew that his role was to preach and to proclaim Jesus Christ and the coming Messiah, that one was coming that was mightier than he was, but he didn't understand what that all looked like, that aspect of of the Holy Spirit coming and indwelling. Uh, man. We know this. If you want to flip in your Bibles to Acts chapter 19, join with me there if you if you do have your scriptures and are able to turn there. Acts chapter 19. It's an interesting passage in the uh, verses 2 through 6. We know that Luke wrote the book of Acts, but Paul is engaging in a conversation in the book of Acts, and it's kind of interesting that John is baptizing with water, but one is coming. The Holy Spirit is coming. He didn't, he didn't, John was just being obedient to what he knew. And here's what Paul says. Paul's having a conversation, and he talks to the followers of John. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Paul says, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. So here's how we know John was being obedient. Listen to the next words in this context. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him. That is in Jesus. John was doing his work that he was called to. John was laboring for the Lord. John was pointing people to Jesus Christ. And actually what he was doing in terms of preparing the paths to make them straight, check out what Paul was able to do. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. John was obedient. That When when Isaiah wrote 700 years prior to John coming that a messenger is coming and he's going to make the paths straight and he's going to prepare the way for the Messiah, that's exactly what John did. John came at the right time. John was telling people to repent and to confess their sins and to get baptized, doing exactly what he knew he was called to do. And we further confirm this in the book of Acts, we see exactly that this is what was happening because all of these followers of John, and it says that there were lots of people coming to John to get baptized in Judea, in that region. And we see later on then, all these followers of John had received this word from John, they had received the baptism from John, and John had pointed them to the Messiah he was making the path straight, preparing the way for the Messiah to come. preparing the way too for Paul, for Peter, for the early church to inform them about what it looked like to receive the Holy Spirit. And it's John who came preparing the way for the Messiah. How awesome that was. John's obedience helped pave the way for the early, early church. Now, it's it's easy when you think about John, and it's easy sometimes to want to take the credit for the things that you do. You know, even in the scriptures, we see a lot of kings that faltered because they wanted to take the credit for themselves. We see a lot of human activity that, you know, it feels good to get puffed up. You know, it feels good to have a lot of You know, John had a lot of people following him. John had a lot of people that were becoming his disciples. And yet in his humility, in his obedience, in his selflessness, he continually deflected that praise off of himself and put it squarely on Jesus Christ, which is exactly what we're called today. We might have followers. We might have people that really subscribe to our philosophy, our theology. It's very easy for churches to put a lot of hope in one person. But the only way that that works is if that person is pointing people to Jesus Christ. And to Jesus Christ alone. Right? The Apostle Paul communicated in 1 Corinthians, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. It has nothing to do with my fame. It has nothing to do there's there's a large local church in town. and I won't name the church, but that large local church in town stopped putting who was preaching in the bulletin on Sunday morning ahead of time. They stopped announcing it. You know why? Because people wouldn't show up if that person wasn't preaching. But well, look what we see here. We see John, confirmed by Paul, that says, hey, he was proclaiming Jesus Christ coming. And that's all he continued to do. Look with me to, to follow up on this. Go to the book of John. I want to read a couple of passages out of the book of John to reinforce this. That John was selfless. That John literally came to prepare the way of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's focused on doing. John chapter three. John chapter three, verses 26 through 30. I'm gonna read out of the English Standard Version. And so John's disciples have come to John, okay? So what I'm trying to impress is that John was obedient to Christ, not trying to get the glory for himself. Here's what his disciples said to him, and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing, and all are going to him. Like, okay, so his disciples are saying, John, this guy is trying to really what they're saying is this guy's trying to steal your fame. This guy's trying to steal your thunder. Why are all these people leaving you and going over to him? John answered. is complete. He must increase. I must decrease. Right John understood that even though all these people were following him and repenting of their sins that he wasn't the Christ. He wasn't the one that they should be following. And he says furthermore, he must increase and I must decrease. I must become less. Don't you get it? It's not about me gaining glory. It's about me doing what I'm called to do, giving glory, honor, and praise to him. Flip back a couple chapters to John chapter 1. I'm going to read a parallel to what we just read in Mark chapter 1. Um, Some of the gospel writers give a little more detail in certain areas. Mark didn't give a whole lot of detail. Mark kind of just said, hey, here's the beginning, here's Isaiah, here's John the Baptist. But I want to paint a little bigger picture of what is going on here. Look at what happens in John 1, the way that it's told by John. And this is the testimony of John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, again, I am And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stand one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And oh, the joy that's going to come. It says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of of the world this is he of whom i said after me comes a man who reigns before me because he was before me i myself did not know him but for this purpose i came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to israel john had a specific purpose john had a specific function that purpose was to make Known the name of Jesus Christ and to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And I would say that John did that quite successfully with full in a full diligence and a full fervency. So what's the point? Why why spend so much time talking about John? I right? we're kind of entering into a series about Jesus, we're entering into a series about his power, we're entering into a series about who Christ is. Because I believe that we all need to understand that we have a prominent place to play as well. We all are part of that story. We all have a purpose. And here's the reality. God used John to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah at that time. God used the prophets in the Old Testament to point forward to the Messiah. We looked at Micah. We looked at Samuel. We looked at David. We looked at Zechariah. They were pointing forward to the coming of the Messiah. And the reality is, is that God uses human beings today who are cracked and glued but hopeful to point others back. to point others back to Jesus Christ. How blessed it is that we live in a day and age today where we have the Old Testament prophets. We have the coming Messiah. We have the canonized scriptures. We know what's coming. We know the victory is won. And now it's our responsibility, each and every one of us, to point others to the cross. Because ultimately that's what the book of Mark is all about. Because ultimately that's what the scriptures are all about. Because ultimately that's what this book and its 66 books together is all about. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. And you may say, "Well, wait a minute, but I didn't I thought Jesus Christ just showed up in the New Testament." Well, yeah, he was born in time, but Jesus was with God before time even began. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were together in perfect harmony and balance before the world even began. Before God himself flung stars into the sky, before he made the the earth and formed it as we know it, the planets, Jesus was there. And what does the Old Testament point to? The coming Messiah. What does the New Testament post-Jesus Christ's resurrection point to? One day his coming back again. One day his dwelling with man in the perfect new earth that he is creating. But as I mentioned, God used John to prepare the way. God used Old Testament prophets to prepare the way. And God uses cracked people today to continue to magnify his name. If you don't believe me, think about about the early church. Do an exercise with me. If you don't believe me, think about the early church. Which former Jew formerly breathed murderous (coughs) threats against people of the way, consenting to their death, and then went on to write 13 books that were canonized in Scripture in the New Testament, being one of the most ardent, fervent ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Paul. Look at the man who walked close beside Jesus for those three years in his ministry, a fisherman who walked on water, who was there at the transfiguration, who was as close in the inner circle as he possibly could be, Who then denied Christ three times before the cock crowed, stating that he didn't know Jesus Peter. Look at the disciple who, upon all the other disciples, having seen Jesus post-resurrection, said, no, I don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Who also was with Jesus. In the upper room at the Last Supper, when he was told that he had to go away. Daddy. That he had to go away. And to, to then not believe right away that he had risen from the dead. We're talking Thomas. So when you when you look at the New Testament church,
0: when you look at the
1: plan that God has and the people that he uses, now we don't see, we don't really see anything in scripture about John the Baptist and his struggles and Temptations and trials that he went through. John looks pretty good, right? I mean, John looks pretty good. But when you think about the New Testament church, when you think about Paul and Peter and Thomas, and then you think about the fact that God uses cracked people that are held together by his glue to accomplish his purposes, that's the responsibility of each and every one of us. That's who the New Testament church is. And that's who the New Testament church was then. And that's who the New Testament church is today. That's our responsibility. We're called to that. So, are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. Are we cracked? We're absolutely cracked. But we have a common purpose. And that common purpose is to make known the name of Jesus Christ. And honestly, to deflect any glory that would come our way and to place that glory squarely back on God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and the work that He accomplished for for us. You and I have a responsibility. You and I have a responsibility like John. John came as a messenger to prepare the way for Christ. We have a responsibility to make known the name of Jesus Christ post-resurrection Understanding the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're charged with. So you can't say that, you know, I'll be honest. When our family first came to to Creek Cornerstone, Creekside, you know, we thought that this was a well-oiled machine. You know, we thought, well, you know, they've got Nick, they've got Tim, they've got Christy, they've got Amy, they've they've got all these people that were playing music. I said, you know, we don't. We don't really. We won't fit in. There's nothing that we can do. They've got a preaching team. They don't. They don't need anything like that. They've got Sunday school all taken care of. It's all good. So I didn't didn't know what my responsibility was going to be at Creekside Cornerstone, because I thought, you know, it's just I'm not going to be able to get plugged in. I'm not going to be able to participate. How wrong was I? How wrong was I? And how how shameful it is to admit that, that I thought that, you know, this place was so well-oiled that there was just a those people that were participating, they had it all together and they had it all figured out that I had no responsibility this at Creekside, Cornerstone Church. That was a lie, that was wrong. Because I do, and if I do, then each and every one of us in here does. And not everybody's gonna be the mouthpiece. Not everybody's, not everybody's gonna be the hands, not everybody's gonna be the feet, but we're a body. And everybody has a part that they have to play What if John John would have taken the attention and placed it squarely on himself? I doubt that Paul would have been as effective in being able to communicate to his followers the need for them to accept the Holy Spirit, because John did his job and prepared them to receive the Holy Spirit at a later time. And I'm not trying to put too much credence on humans, but we have a responsibility to focus and turn the attention of others Jesus Christ. Well, as we conclude our passage this morning, turn to to verse nine back in our text. John had done well what he was called to do. John had prepared the way for the Christ. And in the book of John, we really see that when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is him, here he is, he's right here. This is him, this is who I'm, this is who we've been talking about. If you've been following me, this is the one you now need to follow. So John kinda, it's a defining moment in his ministry. He backs, basically, you know, he backs away. He baptizes them and what happens? The Spirit descends like a dove on Christ. Can you imagine the thunderous voice of God? I think God the Father coming down, this is my Son, whom I am well pleased. Of course, it wasn't in English, so. However it's stated, right? But can you imagine? And what John did is he set the stage to turn it over to Jesus Christ. And John was probably like, oh my. Is this going to be? And he knew it was going to be awesome because he was obedient to doing what God had asked him to do. And then we see at the end. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kind of. Uh, I, I don't want to skip over the temptation of Christ, but in verses twelve and thirteen. But that's not really the focus of what I wanted to do. He he, he learned in the wilderness. He, he was not learned, but he he stayed true to God the Father. Uh, in the wilderness while he was being tempted, while he was at some of his weakest moments, and there's plenty to learn from that if you have the time. But I think it's interesting in verse 15 as we close, and, and really the band if they want to come back up at this time. They really can. Well, we know John got taken into custody, right? He, uh, he was ultimately gonna be uh, killed for his, his, his work, essentially. Uh, but look at verse 15. Jesus comes back. I can, I can just see this. Jesus comes back, comes to the stage, and says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You no, know, the stage had been set. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever been to concerts or things like that, but you go to a concert, and there are some warm-up bands, You know, you don't really go to the concert to hear the warm-up bands, although, you know, it's kind of nice. What you're really eagerly anticipating is the main act. Comes out and just wows you. And that's why we go to concerts. You know, I I know that we just had the Kentucky Derby a couple weeks ago, too, right? And you probably don't, I mean, I don't know if you all realize this, but the Kentucky Derby isn't just one, two-and-a-half-minute horse race, right? There's horse races all day, probably horse races all weekend, leading up to the Kentucky Derby. Those people don't go, though, really, to to see the other horse races. I mean, they go for the literally two and a half minutes that it takes those horses to run around the the track, the mile, the mile-long track. They go for the main attraction. John doing his job prepared them for the main attraction, which is far better than any rock and roll concert or Christian concert or whatever concerts you go to. Far better than any Kentucky Derby winner that's possibly could possibly be won. But John did his job and prepared them for the coming of the Messiah and Jesus comes and the time is at hand and he says repent and believe. To me, it just sets the stage for the rest of the Book of Mark where we're going with our, our messages. To me, the stage has been set the attention is now on Jesus Christ. John came and prepared the way. Look out. Look out for what God is going to do through his son in these upcoming weeks, these upcoming months, as we go through this series. Because it is, the stage is now prepared. Jesus Christ is going to have his way. And the way is going to be accomplished. And it has been accomplished throughout the ages and still today by us Proclaiming truth, focusing our attention back on At Him. This time, I'd like to, to close um, in, a, in my portion of Word of Prayer. And uh, the band's going to play a song. We're going we're to enter into a time of communion as well. Communion is for us that believe in Christ. Communion is a time for us to reconnect with Jesus Christ and remember what He has done for us. All about what he has done his body that was broken and the blood that was shed for our sins so let's let's pray and ask god to bless this time father we just thank you for the body that was broken the blood that was spilled father we thank you that each and every one of us have a heart in proclaiming truth and proclaiming the gospel father as john prepared the way for jesus and as Jesus then declared, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Father, help us to be obedient obedience to you in all things. We just thank you and praise you in your son's name. Amen. For the, the children to come, I just want to encourage you. We all have a responsibility in the gospel. Tonight you're going to get a chance to come back at 6.30 tonight and hear Lucas, a man who has taken that responsibility seriously, and his soon-to-be wife Lois, which I'm sure she's ready to be called his wife, not soon-to-be wife, they will share with you what God is doing in their life around the world. Come tonight if you are able. Children, would you come forward, please? Come on up to the front. Look at all these little precious ones coming to the front. Yeah, give them a hand. Yeah. spread on out of your clothes. Come on up, spread on out. Before they pass the carnations out to their parents, or to their moms, we just want to say one more time, moms, there's no way we could ever repay what you've done for us. There is a special bond between a mother and their child that us guys, hey guys, we just can't understand that. We're so grateful that you moms have that special bond uh, with your children. In just a moment, these young ones are going to walk out and pass the carnations to their moms. Um, if your child is not up here, uh, mom, every other mom, we would encourage you on the uh, in the foyer, there's a table out there with carnations. Please take a carnation home with you as a token of our appreciation for all that you uh, mean, all that you do, all that you are in raising your children in godly admonition. Let's pray as we close. Father, we thank you so much for our moms. We thank you so much for what they've done in our lives. Father, we thank you so much for the gospel, because without the gospel, even Mary uh, would have been lost in her sins. And So we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your love bestowed upon us. We thank you for the obedience of John the Baptist. We thank you for the obedience of the prophets of old. And we thank you for the obedience of the local church uh, and the the church, uh, New Testament church today, to go out and go forth and proclaim His excellencies to proclaim what he has done. Father, help us to never be conceited. Help us to never take the glory for ourselves, but always turn right back to you. Thank you for these children. Thank you for their moms. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Incarnation, and then you are dismissed.